0: Welcome back to the latest Lightning Strikes podcast, brought to you by Tampa Bay Times, Bay.com, available on iTunes. This is Lightning beat writer Joe Smith, uh, here live from Toronto, where the Lightning set to face uh, the Maple Leafs uh, Monday night, and Tuesday night they travel to the Buffalo for the quick two-game back-to-back trip. Um, obviously a lot to talk about, this is two weeks away from the uh, trade deadline, which is February 26th, uh, Monday. Um, so a lot of things. I talked to Steve Eizerman, the general manager of Lightning, on Sunday at length about his plans and his, th- his philosophy, and we'll get to that and more on this podcast, as well as the the special weekend uh, the Lighting had with uh, Vinny LeCavelle having his number four uh, put up in the rafters next to Marty St. Louis, number 26, and that great ceremony on Saturday, and uh, as well as the team's recent play, um, the call-ups from Pekka and Ernie, and maybe more coming to... Some of the struggles that they have at the blue line, are just overall defensively, and and of course, the Audrey Vasilevsky's might have been the best safe I've ever seen in my life um, on Saturday against the Kings. So a lot of your, a lot of your questions I've taken on our Facebook Lightning Strikes Facebook page, and you always send them to me there, and as well as on Twitter at TV Times underscore J Smith or email jsmithtampa com. So here we go. I, I think. Um, It's fitting to start with the trade deadline, since that's on everybody's mind, and that's kind of the hot topic around the league, and, you know, it's easy for anybody who who watches this team day in and day out, like myself, to to realize they could use some help, especially on the blue line, maybe one or two defensemen. I think they're looking maybe, um, if they could add one at the right price, uh, one or two, a left and a right, Uh, you think you're looking maybe potentially a bottom six center, kind of in the Antoine Vermette, you know Matt Colin mold of a veteran guy who could win faceoffs kind of one of those uh, a gritty playoff performers and and uh, and go from there so the only question is 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 what is available right now and, and how much does it cost uh, just from talking to Steve for about 3040 minutes on Sunday um, I get the sense uh, from him that you know he's been looking and constantly looking since the summertime or since the early season to, to find ways to improve this team to to get some help there But um, I think what he's finding out Especially at the trade deadline Is you have to You have to overpay You have to overpay On the overpay pretty much This is the most expensive Time of year To acquire a player Via trade He told me And so he's like You have to You know You have to weigh The, the risk versus reward And um, You know Like I think Like if you go back To today's Tampa Bay Times Which had the full story um, He told me uh, That You uh, you look at the, I can give up five first-round picks at every prospect we have, and it still won't guarantee you the Stanley Cup. Now, that's true. The Lightning does have assets. It's a great, great prospect pool and all its picks the next three years, but his points was, you look at back the history of a Cup winners the last six, seven years, and there haven't been many major moves um, that have worked. I mean, Ron Hainsey was a, a great pickup with the Penguins last year, kind of a depth defenseman. He played a huge role. Uh, Schultz the year before. Where the bigger moves, like the Hansel last year with Minnesota and and Shattenkirk going to Capitals, that didn't make the big difference for those two teams, uh, neither of them got out of the second round. So, I think there are some interesting names out there um, for the Lightning to look at. You look at the Ryan McDonough, the left shot defenseman for the Rangers. Um, you know, obviously he's a guy who could, you know, just from talking to guys like Anton Strollman and Dan Girardi and Ryan Callahan, who've played against them in the past. Uh, they'll play with him in the past. They, they really think he's going to be a shutdown um, pairing kind of defenseman. He can play all situations. He can play 20 minutes. He'd really be a guy who could really solidify that top four. But you have to think that the late Rangers are going to want a, a pretty heavy price in their rebuilding mode um, for a guy of that caliber, especially if they're willing to, to eat half the, his salary cap hit, which is around like $4.7 million, I believe, um, next year. So that's something to keep in mind. I think you know you might have an under-the-radar Type signing like a Jack acquire like Jack Johnson from Columbus. Columbus and Lightning have been been scouting each other, um, you know, quite a bit all season long. I mean, it's been pretty much regular. Uh, you've seen some scouts at Syracuse games and, and vice versa. And, you know, I think uh, Pierre LeBron from TSN reported that there were um, Columbus had some late first round uh, pick offers for Jack Johnson. And there's only a few teams will be picking in the late first round, and Tampa would be one of them. Um, Johnson's a left shot. I think they like to have a right one, but I think they like to have both a left and a right shot. And so, if you're looking at not paying the heavy ransom for a guy like um, Ryan McDonough or whatever, I think he might be an option. I think I think if you could look at getting a, a Mike Green too, who lighting will get a chance to see again up close uh, on Thursday, Emily Arena when the Red Wings come to town. He's a pending uh, UFA. He's a right shot. He can. He's more of an offensive defenseman than a defensive defenseman, which I think they need some help. Um, more in their own zone, but I think if you add him and another other person, you have two other. You add another left shot defenseman too, um, that could be a big boost back there. And if you do it without, you know, selling off the farm, so to speak, with your prospects and your picks, then you might be able to do the trick. So I think the the big names and the big bold um, moves here at the deadline, whether it's like the Ryan McDonoughs or the um, even Eric Carlson, which is kind of a a pipe dream scenario, and I, I know it's not imp- impossible. Anything's possible when it comes to this particular point. Um, and I talked to Victor Hedman about this the other day, and I asked him, "I'm like, hey, Lightning fans have been dreaming uh, since they watched the at the All Star game of Samko, Kucherov, and Carlson together." I'm like, "Does part of you feel the same way?" And he kind of laughed. He said, "Yeah." He's like, "He's a really close friend of mine. They go back a long way. They played in World Juniors together." He's like, "Who, you know, what team in the in the league would say no?" Um, to the top defenseman in the league, as he considers him. He goes, is it realistic? I don't know. And that's kind of the main word you need to look at when it comes to the trade deadline is what is realistic, um, you know, as far as what would you want to give up versus what you get in return um, going forward. So I think an analogy is like this. This is what you and I think about when you're going to make a deal at the deadline. Number one, let's let's say you have $5 million, all right, and you – um, and I say you you have this house on Bayshore in Tampa, and I say, hey, uh, this this house is worth five million dollars, but I'll sell it to you for a hundred. Would you take that deal? How about if I give you ten times if, if, if I charge you ten times the market value, or five? And so, what if you give me that I give you that house for five times the market value, and it's an empty house, and it's just frame? You know, it could be all fool's gold. So. I think there are legitimate reasons for teams, especially like the Lightning, to look to make a move. They've been struggling in their own end, and they've been giving up way too many shots. Um, will one guy fix that? One guy will certainly help. Um, would, it make the big, would it make the whole big difference? I don't know. And do you want to give up um, some of your top prospects? Um, I just, you know, I asked Eisenman yesterday too. I'm like, do you have untouchables um, on this roster other than? the no-trade-clause uh, players, the Samkoses and Hedman's and stuff like that, and obviously Kucherov and Vasilevsky are untouchables. But I mentioned Braden Point and Mikhail Sergeyev, because you know, Sergeyev's a popular name to come up, especially when you're trying to move for a defense, veteran defenseman. He's a, a top prospect that people want to get. But I think they're untouchable. And I asked the yesterday, and he said to me, he's like, we want to improve our team, not go sideways. And by giving up a quality defenseman to get a defenseman, I think you're kind of... You negating know, the point there so I don't think either of those guys are going anywhere at the deadline or anytime soon or anytime ever pretty much I think you'll see Braden Point sign to a long term deal whether that's this summer when he can or sometime next year uh, whether it's a bridge deal or a long term deal I'm not sure but I think he'll they'll, they'll be quick to kind of lock him up as one of their core one of their best players and Sergei is a, a, a cornerstone caliber defenseman that's finding his way in the league as a 19 year old he's on an entry level deal why would you want to give him up uh, when you need those guys in your in your blue line anyways to build around and if you look at uh... Um, you know, see history as the gm here of the lightning he hasn't made a, a ton of huge huge moves at the deadline last year he was a seller because they were last place in the east and in, in february and he got rid of some cap uh, some, got some cap room with the brian boyle and the velgerie philpula and the ben bishop deals there um... his biggest move i mean other than kind of the forced marty st louis ryan callahan deal in the 2013-14 season um, was the 2014-15 deadline when he acquired uh, Braden Coburn, veteran defenseman from Philadelphia, for a first and a third round pick, uh, and Red Cogutis. So that was a pretty hefty price at that point. Two uh, uh, picks in the top three rounds and uh, and, and at Venson, who was part of, part of their lineup, and Red Cogutis, But um, they needed help on the blue line. They worked really hard to get some help, and, and Coburn played a pretty good role in getting to the, in the cup final. They did lose to the Blackhawks, but He was pretty good at that particular point, Um, but Steve Eisenman said he's like at the time he wouldn't have made that deal had he not been able to kind of recoup a couple second round picks that same night in the Brett Connolly trade to Boston. So you look at that, that's how much he kind of cherishes and covets those draft picks because that's how he's built this organization, how him and and Julian Breezewell and Al Murray, like you have these prospects that everybody is so excited about, but you don't have those if you you sell away all your picks and, and going forward. Now, at some point, you know, not every all these guys can play in the current roster with how many guys they have going forward, but um especially the more high-profile ones like the Cal Foots, I don't see going anywhere. Um Do you want to, you know, do you try to trade a Taylor Radish who might be attractive as a scorer um, to other teams? Um, I don't know, but I think, you know, his point is he wants to be able to build this team going forward and not just, you know, trade a lot of prospects for a rental or a guy you'll have for a year and a half. Um and he does have some financial decisions to make in a year and a half too, with Kucherov's deal coming up. You'll have Braden Points' long-term or bridge deal. You have Vasilevsky, who'll probably make in the close to the ten million dollar range in his next deal, with the way he's playing. So a lot of decisions to make, and that goes in, that factors into your decision too, if you're a GM of what moves you make now for te- for guys that might be uh, have longer term on their contracts. So. Will be interesting in two weeks, and I, my gut tells me that they'll they'll make some sort of move. I it might be on the smaller side versus the the, the big move side. Um, I still wouldn't rule it out. You know, a guy like a McDonough, so to speak, but the price probably would have to come a little further down towards what Idris comfortable with doing, and that's what my that's what kind of the the gist I got from talking to Steve yesterday was just. You know he's open to making moves. He's open to uh, you know trying to improve this team, but it has to make sense, and uh, only he knows how, what would make sense for him and for this organization. And um, uh, this is a good team, no matter what. I think they have some issues that they have got to fix. Um, but he feels that this is a group that's finding ways to win, and, and they can kind of correct itself um, internally if that's the, the case. If they don't make any um, big moves at the deadline, so so we'll see. So keep an eye on Mike Green. Keep an eye on uh, Jack Johnson. Obviously, the and we'll all keep an eye on where Ryan McDonough ends up or how much that costs um, by February 26th. And of course, and of course, Ottawa fans will be uh, on the edge of their seats until February 26th. At least they'll guarantee them until the least summer to, to see if they can sign uh, Eric Carlson. I don't, I don't see Carlson signing in Ottawa long term, but we don't know until that becomes official um, going forward. So, um, speaking of um, making it official, the Lightning on Saturday made it official with Vinnie LeCavier. They retired his number four, um, a well-deserving honor, and it was a classy and cool ceremony, just kind of fitting for the former Lightning captain, who's uh, made Tampa his new home, and he's coaching hockey, uh, youth hockey for the Brandon Bulls. I did a story for Saturday's Tampa Bay Times, uh, talking to, to the parents and the kids uh, who play for Vinny. It's kind of a, a special, a rare thing to have an NHL star coaching your kids, and that team has John Cooper's son, Johnny, and, and uh, Girardi's son, Landon, and Peter Budai's son, too. So uh, it's a pretty fun story. Check that out. TampaBay.com, Tampa Bay Times on Saturday um, with Vinny um, coaching that team. And we did cover the whole weekend, too, with the ceremony with Phil Esposito's speech and Brad Richard's speech and Jay Feaster and all that stuff. So check that out, too. But it was such a cool a cool ceremony. And I think the lighting is done it in a great first-class manner. Like the, the Marty St. Louis ceremony last year was great. And this one, too, it wasn't quite as emotional as Marty's because Marty was referencing his late mother in his speech. But this was uh, a very regal ceremony, as you want to call it. Um, um, and it was well done and kind of reflected the kind of the, the, the good and the bad uh, of Vinny's tenure and, and there were some bumps along the way like the, the near trade in 2001 to Toronto which I wrote about in Sunday's Times uh, where it came a phone call away from trading Vinny uh, to Toronto uh, because of the rift they, that he had with Tortorella and, and the team and they stripped him from his captaincy and he um, requested a trade and and look at where I end up now. I mean he could have been gone in three years like Jonathan Drew and, and now he's a franchise pillar and his, his, his jersey's hung in the rafters so it just shows kind of how him and Feastered Tortorella men the fences and it, and it, and it turned into uh, Stanley Cup in 04 that it won that cup without Vinny uh, no doubt and it was just touching to see Tortorella give a video tribute there from, from Columbus and he just talked about how much he admired Benny as a person and, and what he's done off the ice, and that was kind of the only thing I took away from was that it wasn't all the stuff that Benny did on the ice, the fight with the Ginla, the between-the-legs goal against Montreal, the OT goal against Capitals the year before, like all the big moments. I think the people, even guys like Stephen Stamkos and Victor Hedman say his lasting impact was what he did off the ice and the impression he made and set the standard he set for all these guys going forward, so... Um, so we'll see, but it was it was a, it was was fun ceremony to, to be around and to see that the crowd really respond and um, <clears throat> a well-deserved honor, and, and quite frankly, you wonder when the next guy to come up there um, would be, I think, maybe the next guy, the number of would be a Stamkos or a Hedman, so it might be that long before we see another one uh, go up in the rafter. It's funny that the biggest ovation that Saturday night <clears throat> wasn't for Vinny, probably, it was for Andre Vasilevsky, who might have made the save of the year, save of the decade, in that game to help preserve a 4-3 win over the Kings. Made 44 saves at all, including one in the, in the buzzer um, to beat L.A., but the behind-the-back uh, you a no-look glove save on Kopitar in the first period really kind of uh, really uh, changed the dynamic of the whole game. It was 1-1. It was on the PK for the Lightning, and, and Kopitar had Vasilevsky beat, and he tries to get in between the post, and Vasilevsky made it. He gloved it, and the crowd went on his feet, and the Lightning went out and scored after after that after that penalty kill with Korn coming out of the box to go to breakaway and and give the team a lead for good. But that really changed the whole dynamic of the game and it just kind of uh, perfect sim, sim, symbolism there for the season for the Lightning that they're down and out and, and Vasilevsky bails them out. Uh, he's been their best player all year and I think just that game was just a, a shows either one of two things. It shows as Steve Eisenman told me it was a the Lightning is a team that's competitive and it finds a way to win in the last six, seven minutes with a one goal lead, which is a positive thing. But it's also the fact that it shouldn't have to come to that too. Um, so many chances there. I shot twenty to four in the third period. Uh, as, as Anton Strauman told me they could have given up five or six goals had it not been for, for Vasilevsky. So they're almost kind of they said they're almost ashamed that they had to depend on this guy too much. Um, in net, and it's not a sustainable uh, way to play. You're giving up thirty or plus shots in fourteen to fifteen games. Um <clears throat> are going to loosen their own end, and it's just, it's not just one thing. It's, you know, it's maybe losing 50-50 battles. Maybe it's losing uh, defensive zone coverage. Maybe it's, um, you know, just not communicating. It's, uh, you, you know, maybe the breakouts aren't as good, and then that's forcing more playing in your own end. So it's just a bunch of different things here where the Lightning has shown in spurts the last few weeks that it's kind of coming out of it and, and shown flashes, including, you know, that win last uh, last uh, Thursday against Vancouver Even then, they blew a a 4-0 lead to make it 4-2 towards the end. So uh, they're a team, I think John Cooper said that they they have a lot of skill and they want to score, and it seems like they're 4-1, they keep on trying to score and score, which leads to turnovers and gives teams a chance to get back in the game. They need to just learn how to lock it down and shut it down in a third period, which is what they have to do in the playoffs. So now, you know, if the Lightning has two months to to get this on track and before the playoffs start, and and they did – play well in the first two months of the year. They had them, things that went their way, and Vasilevsky was stellar, but um, you want to be playing your best at the end of the season, and they figured that they can work their way out of this. they got a good cushion. Um, they're not going to miss the playoffs unless something crazy happens, so they can take the next uh, month or so to find themselves at home. The, most of their games will be at home in March, so um, you know, is it cause for concern? I think a little bit, but is it is it time to panic? Not really. I mean, you have a team that's really good, and they have the capability there. They could use some help at the deadline on defense, but but overall, you know, they need to get back to where they were in the beginning of the year. You know, where they were just relentless and they were spending most of the time in the offensive zone and kind of just overwhelmed teams. And I know you can't do that for eighty-two games in a row. It's not going to be perfect every night, and you go through lulls and such. But you know, the current way that they're playing is not sustainable for a long playoff run, and, and they know it. So we'll see how that goes in the next few weeks, and we'll examine that later podcast as we do it here. Now we have time for a few of your questions. I answered a few of your questions already, I think, earlier on in the trade deadline um, segment there. But um, on Facebook, Chris Cook said, do you expect a major move by the deadline or just a minor tweak? I think I said that earlier, that um, I'm probably expecting more of a, let's say a minor tweak, but more of an under-the-radar or less splashy signing than a big one. I wouldn't rule out a bigger one, but I think the price might be too high for what the Lightning wanted to do. So maybe a couple under-the-radar moves, which has been really successful in the years past for Cup winners. Uh, Chris Peltier said McDonough or Green? I think it's more likely Mike Green as the guy that comes over uh, at the trade deadline uh, from the Red Wings, Um, but we'll see on that. He has a no-trade list too, so we'll talk to him this week about that. Uh, Peter Hoek says, based on current contracts term, aside from Foote, who's obvious to me? Who are the one or two prospects you would prefer not the Lightning, not including any trades? I think Kyle Foote is one, obviously you mentioned that um, going forward. Um, I think a guy like, you know, I will see I consider him a prospect. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. He's an untouchable to me. Um, you know, uh, I think Taylor Radish is a guy you want to – maybe you might be able to float him out there, but I still think he's a guy who could be a, a scoring winger for you in the future and you need those kind of guys. So um, I think there are a number of prospects you'd like to be able to hold on to um, if you could. Um, but we'll see how that one works out. But I think there are a lot of prospects that they want to hold on to, knowing that they'll be the guys that come up the system um, – and, and, and fill in when these guys are too expensive for them uh, to play. Um, wh- what other, uh, I have other questions on Twitter of whether AHL pro- uh, call-ups might there be. I know Ernie came up, has been playing well, and, and Pekka came up with after Alondra Plot came out, and he's been playing well. So they made their statement. I think Mitchell Stevens is a guy who might get his chance at some point to get a look, uh, although he's ignoring like like a first-year in his first year pro season, I think Alex Volkov is the guy that they're really intrigued about. I'd like to see him at some point. I don't know if it's this year, but uh, they, you know, those are two guys that have really played well in Syracuse, too. Um, so interesting to see. I think the Lightning want to see what they have in their system before they go out and make some moves. But uh, Matthew Pekka certainly made a case to, to stick around longer, even when Andre Pilat comes back next month. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'm going to get to the morning skate here in Toronto. But thanks so much for your questions, for listening, and for reading the Tampa Bay Times. And follow me as always. I always uh, enjoy interacting with you guys and and taking your questions and hopefully get a chance to see you guys somewhere uh, on the road or in Emily Rain sometime soon. So thanks so much. And, again, um, always email me at com or on Twitter, Times underscore smith or on the Lightning Strikes Facebook page. Uh, Find us out there, and we'll get you there, and we'll be able to interact with you there. So Thanks so much, guys, and have a good one.